0: You're listening to Season 4 of Views from the Bridge, your second favorite podcast about the Philadelphia Union. We are a part of the Beautiful Game Network. For soccer podcasts, writing, and any other content, visit bgn.fm. Let's get right to it. Do we
1: want to be a good team, or do we want to be great?
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Views from the Bridge, uh, your second favorite Philadelphia Union podcast. Kinda of like where the union ended up this season in MLS. Uh but that's okay. We'll talk about that later. Uh I'm your host for this evening, Justin, I guess. Evan is not with us tonight, but I've got the rest of our uh merry crew with us. I'm not sure how merry he is today though. Chuck Booth is with us.
2: Yeah, I was I mean, I was I'm not very um merry after that intro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry, he doesn't do it for you, man. You I, gotta bring. Well, it's just the pep, no. It's just circumstance. It,
2: it's just roll, rolling in with the, the union finishing second when, if mm. MLS went by normal rules, they would have <laughs> and should have finished first.
1: The be- best peek behind the curtain here is like Chuck's Chuck's like, I'm going to work that naturally into like the conversation we'll have about it. And we're a minute in.
0: I feel like that's the only conversation we're actually going to have tonight. Cause Chuck's just going to put
2: it into every other conversation we have tonight. No, I have, I have much, I have much bigger gripes than supporter shield. Um, two, technically three teams can be good. Cause Montreal did give it a run. Um, and we can at least still feel good that we didn't basically spend uh, as much as LAFC spent on one player on every member who joined the team over the summer. True
0: true story. Well, to introduce our other uh, Mary Crew member, joining us from his uh, car on a break from school, Paul, Pat- Paul Katrina Jr. is here too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just need Mm -hmm. to not be inside, but like too cold to be outside. So nice middle ground here. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen two raccoons walk by. Um, I don't know how that bodes for me personally when I plan to leave, but, uh, we're just rolling with the cards dealt to us, aren't we? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I'm pretty sure I saw your name on the uh, sporting serotonin score sheet this, this past weekend.
1: Uh yeah. Uh, in our uh, Abierto play, uh, which is which is nice. It was a nice little uh, outside the box, like twenty yarder. Um, to be fair, I like kind of black out when that happens. A lot of my goals co- I'm so serious, Justin. I like I'm so I had to ask if someone assisted me even though I'm pretty sure most of my goals come from me stepping up as a center back, making the tackle, controlling the ball, and then just—I should put this in the box somewhere—and I hit it too hard and it goes in. And there you go. Just...
0: Sometimes that's what works. Sometimes that's what works. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, um, we've got a—I mean, we've got a little bit to talk about tonight. One thing I don't want to talk about, but I guess we have to at least mention it. Uh, in the penultimate game of the season, uh, the Union go to Charlotte, and uh, um, I'm not sure what they actually did. I don't know what's how the, to describe what's that.
1: What's the word? What's... But the
0: the score line was four to four to one, four to nothing. I don't remember. I blacked out. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, we there did indeed
1: not score a goal in that game, which. It's rough when you're used to winning six nothing, seven nothing. My uh, my
2: my favorite thing of that game is Kai Wagner wanted a rest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Va- valid point. Get it? I've
2: played too many minutes. I don't want to play Toronto. <laughs> so I'm just gonna get two yellow. It's
0: all good. <laughs> it's all good. It is what it is. You know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like you're going to, those games are going to happen over the course of a 38 game season or whatever it was. So I don't, I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock in going on the road to Charlotte who was trying to play their way into the playoffs. And, um, you know, you lay a little bit of a stinker. I don't,
2: I don't know what to do with that, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... It's better to lay it before the playoffs than end it. And also, um, as we realized when I tried to figure out who all who all has turf fields in the playoffs and forgetting the fact that the union don't have to go anywhere, um, they don't have to see any more turf, which they have performed horribly on because... You can't make the quick passes that they need to make on some of these fields.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at uh, the balance between getting like the one seed and the two seed, things of that nature, you do have to take into account that with the one, you're basically guaranteed your run to MLS Cup as being on your turf or on your f- <laughs> the the phrase turf, you know, uh, your field, your pitch um which which is good like it, Jim Curtin loves to play there he loves to set up his team there and as you can see um like across the span of their entire work they do not mess up at home so it's uh it's a nice bonus to have for sure um but the sentiment of dropping that now as opposed to it happening in the playoffs yeah this team was too good for too long for them to not have a little like. That's not good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know. There's much more need to be said about that. It, did, it felt like one of those games. Charlotte was just up for it. We were not, and we were on turf, which has been rough. Uh, but like you said, at home once again the union finish unbeaten at home, uh, with, by beating Toronto soundly. Uh, so basically almost, almost flipping the score line from the previous week, uh, and beating Toronto four to one.
1: I mean, it shows that they worked for it and definitely, uh, felt the effect of losing that game in Charlotte. I mean, there's no way you can't go into this playoffs like anything like the form you found against Charlotte. Now I get that there's an execution thing there with the turf and the way they play those passes have to be so quick, so sharp because they are just so dynamic when they're able to pass that way. Um, But like you still, you still have to execute that. And the way they executed against Toronto was, I mean, masterful. They knew exactly what passes they needed to make. They were able to hit over the top. They were able to hit their one-twos, get into the assist zones. Uh, I mean, this is the time. Like, right before the playoffs is the time where you want to see your best being played. And they didn't I don't even think they put out their best, but it was like it was close. Oh. It's really good.
2: You don't you don't have to do much when Toronto <laughs> doesn't defend. Um, but also like one really good thing is that while the MLS regular season is about the depth of your team and all this and that and how you can set up to go in multiple runs, playoffs, are about who has the brightest stars. And it is very clear after Daniel Gazdag became it was the first 20 goal scoring Genesis ever right for the union. Yes. Um but like it's clear that this iteration of Daniel Gazdog wants nothing more than to put multiple goals past every single team that he plays and everything about the way that the union atta- union attacks is set up to either A, let him do that, or B, have literally the entire team hurt you if you overcommit to stopping him from doing that. Um, and when it comes to, to playoffs, like it's very <laughs> hard to see this, this team like not go on a run just due to his presence unless um they play a certain team that we'll talk about later
0: yeah i mean i think i think uh the union offense is is clicking on all cylinders at the moment and i think as long as they're on grass um and i think they um I mean, Carranza had sort of figured it out from the beginning of the season. It has been pretty consistent over the course of the whole season. u we right, took some time to get there. Um and I think we I mean I think we saw at the beginning of the season flashes of what Gazdag can be or, or has become. Um but he obviously has taken it to another level since since the middle of the season or so. And I think when you have a dynamic player like um like McGlynn sitting behind the three of them um plus i think you know a player that we've talked a lot about over the course of the season i think flock has looked better over the past 2 months than what he looked the previous 6 um it 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 does make it hard to defend uh as as a team like It makes it hard for your team to defend. And I think, you know, you have all of that coming at you. And then, oh, wait, you have the left back coming up and giving you 15 assists over the course of the season. I mean, the Union are going to be hard to beat no matter what. And like you said, Toronto, a team that is not good at defending, uh, you're going to find it hard to defend a team who has so many weapons going forward.
1: And, like, not to discredit Bizo either, you know? Yeah. He has been such a revelation in what we expected from him at the beginning of the season and where he's at now. I mean, if he gets this World Cup call up, I mean, who's to say that someone's not going to look at him and really want that guy? Because from, like, from an intangible perspective, Baizo is kind of that perfect build at fullback. He's not the perfect fullback, but with his speed with his size and that combination of other skill it really does bode well for a player at his age to go forward and just kind of keep getting better because we were ready to call it we were ready to call in Hariel we were we were ready for that to happen and Bizo's the one that chose to fight that and Bizo's the one who chose to find the balance between good defensive positioning and amazing attacking execution.
2: Well what's funny is he's gonna get that World Cup call out and then just not play. Like he has in almost every call up that he's gotten. It's it's it doesn't make much sense like why he hasn't actually played for the national team at this stage, but like I don't you you would think that he would play more no, no time um, like the world cup i do i i do actually have one other thing on toronto um, just because like w- since we didn't have kai wagner for that game the most concerning thing for for the entire union team is how would they perform without their top assister and again while it was Toronto, um, pretty good,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing that I've been processing over the past couple of weeks and just like kind of keeping in the back of my mind is like Bedoya comes back at some point, right? You know, and like, does he start over the course of the playoffs? I don't know, it depends how bad he's hurt, but like. Does he play at some point in the playoffs? Absolutely. So. Sure. I mean, that's just a whole nother person that you've got sitting.
1: Yeah. I mean, when he checked into uh, that Toronto game at the end, he was pretty lively. Um, It was. uh, (laughs) Do you rem Do you remember? at the beginning of the season when we sat here and said, did you hear what Jim Curtin said today? That Ali Bedoya is like the most fit he's ever been in his union career. And we went, not from what we saw last year. Um, <laughs> and then he like basically
0: Had told all of us to, of go bleep,
1: to go bleep ourselves. Uh, because, wow. he has He has simply been like reverse time and to have that option off the bench is very good for closing out games. Uh, When you talk about a team that needs to be deep in the playoffs, when you look at maybe having um, to bring in a Warren Craval and that you get to now bring in either a Bedoya or a McGlynn, whatever way they (laughs) want to orient that. No,
2: because I I was going to say, do you really think that a healthy Bedoya is not starting a union playoff game.
1: What is he fully healthy? Is he fully healthy?
2: Since he, since he got minutes against Toronto and the union have a bye week, I would say Mm -hmm. he's probably healthy enough since he's a veteran and only needs to go 60 minutes in set playoff game.
1: Sure.
0: I think if he's, yeah, if he can go 60, he's, he's starting the game.
2: Uh, Which, I think
1: again is not a problem no no it's not a problem
2: no, no no it's, it's not a probably it, 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 it is it is very interesting like looking back to our preseason expectations for Bedoya because even me who've I've essentially had the highest expectations possible for him still wanted to be phased out this year it's impossible to bet on someone is Every's he, 34 or 35 currently um But, like, it's hard to bet on, like, someone his age starting and performing well in the majority of games for their team, especially in a league that has as much travel and running as MLS. And he literally just turned in his best offensive season ever. Yeah. I think that –
0: I mean, I I don't – I'm not comparing Bedoya – to these players. But I think it, it in general, it bodes well for former U S men's national team players to play a long time in this leaf. Uh, like, I think uh, obviously guys like Kyle Beckerman and, you know, um, Michael Bradley have played a long time beyond what they were <laughs> serviceable in the, in the national team setup, but they, have continued to make an impact in the league. And I think that that's where Bedoya is at the moment. You know,
2: I mean, who knows how much time he left,
0: but like in this year, he's playing really well. And
2: we'll see what happens next year. He's under contract. So Absolutely. we know that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. two years, right?
2: He has until he decides to retire.
1: Well, I just yeah. meant from a legal standpoint, he got it too.
2: I, I just, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know what the, the legal standpoint is since the union level one plus one plus one plus one. <laughs> but, Very true. you know, but is not going anywhere until he retires.
0: You know, he's not, he, There's he's not going to play for another team in the league. Yeah. Uh, before he ends his playing career. So, it is what it is. Um... Anything else about Toronto before we sort of move, shift gears, move on? Think what's next?
1: Bernadescu whines a lot. He does. Uh, that's it, though.
2: Michael Bradley's cooked. <laughs> that's true, that, too. That's true. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, outside of taking shots at Toronto, I think... Um, we're probably done here. <laughs> yeah, I would think
1: so, too.
0: So the Union uh, ultimately finished uh, first in the East, clinched the home field advantage for the playoffs, which I think will bode well, finished second in MLS standings. Uh, w- like you did say at some point at the beginning of the show, uh, Chuck, Montreal did make a nice little run at the end of the season and definitely put the pressure on Philadelphia since it did come down to the last game of the season and the last result of the season to determine who actually finished first in the East, but, uh, the union ultimately got it done. So I think we're, I guess we're okay there. Um, I guess the next thing we have to talk about is like over being that our next game is probably eight days away. Um, the end of year awards will start dripping uh, over the next couple of weeks in and we'll show up in in our inboxes over the next couple of weeks but obviously the union have candidates for multiple of those awards uh, obviously golden Boot already uh, ended up in, in mukhtar's hands but uh, I don't know where do you guys want to start with that what what which maybe which do you think is closer to a lock for a union player
2: um well one award should already be won, and if it's not one there will be some major problems because that's goalkeeper of the year uh yeah yeah i mean if it if it goes to anyone but andre blake unless andre blake's mvp as again the banner that came out on um the the pitch uh for the, the union finale um andre blake is minimum goalkeeper of the year and it's not particularly close um everyone has seen what he's done and the only reason that they wouldn't vote for him is because they're bored of him and that's not a reason <laughs> that's definitely
0: definitely not a reason
1: Uh, I think another pretty much lock is going to have to be Elliott. Yeah, no, I mean, I know Gleznas is a sexy pick in that back line. I know Wagner is an obvious pick in that back line. Like, Wagner's going to get left back. Um, But if you're going to have to spread the love across MLS, I think Jack is like the shoe-in i
2: uh, get yeah, i'm t- i'm torn on defender of the year because all three of them have valid shouts anyone who's watched the union for every single game um i think has the same consensus that it's jack elliott that deserves to win this award over glasnas and i mean kai wagner just wasn't as consistent as the two center backs despite what his assists may tell you. Um but I do wonder with Glaztes with him just literally being an international import um if that helps his case with him <laughs> winning over Elliot especially since people have seen him hit more like highlight free kicks, even though that wasn't this year.
0: I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, my thing is I'm wondering if the lack of goals hurts glasses, chance at, at defender of the year. Um Not that enough. It should, because you're, you're you're the award is defender of the year, not highest scoring defender of the year. Um, so I don't think that that should necessarily matter. Um, but I think, I mean, I think it's going to be hard pressed to get it beyond those two. I'm not sure who else, you know, I'm not sure who else in the league necessarily deserves, uh, that award. Um, But, yeah, and I think that's what hurts Wagner's chances. I mean, yes, uh, obviously the assist, but in a lot of ways he was operating like a left wing back that doesn't need to actually defend that much. So, uh, you – it's hard to make him defender of the year when he's not defending all that much.
2: Yeah, when you have a – when you have the best defense in the league and these (laughs) players contributed almost every minute to it – it would be quite a mistake to go outside of that team for selecting yeah. your defender of the year, even mm-hmm. if certain players are going to cannibalize each other for votes for second, for second and third.
0: Yeah. I think, I think um, you uh, like, not that it matters not that it's the end all be all, but uh, if you think about, uh, I saw the graphic of like foot mobs, uh, like, match rating over the course of the season and over the course of the season, the highest rated two center backs were Elliot and Gleznez. Uh, Wagner obviously was the, high, was the highest rated left back and then Blake was the highest rated keeper. So it's, I mean, those are obviously, they're putting Wagner's performances were more consistently offensive, but you they're putting the three of them, the three of them in the center are putting in consistent performances. And I think it also says something to how many teams have shifted to a back three in the league um, because they feel like they need that extra cover or whatever. Um, And the union just don't have to do that. The union just don't have to shift to a back three because they've got two center backs who know how to defend mm-hmm. as part of a back four. And so I think that that also says something uh, about those two guys.
1: And they should just throw them all in there. If they're gonna do like the back three, like only give three defenders a shout, it might as well just be those three. I mean, historic defense,
0: historic. I know, but the problem is you got the Walker Zimmerman's of the world and
2: other. Yeah, folks I mean, that are- yeah. If you're go- if you're going for like full-on best eleven, yeah, it's got to be like all three of them. <laughs> I I don't um and then um
1: Because they uh, work so God, well together why am I
2: uh I'm blanking on the name of the one what other team? person who should be in there. Now, I I'll feel dumb if I say the team aloud, even though I'm gonna end up saying the team eventually because I have to say the player's name. Um Holling said. Mm. So all three of them, plus Hollingshead, is your back line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's nice.
2: And then that way you still award your goals and assists because you have the top scoring defender, you have the top assisting defender, and you have the two actual best defenders.
0: Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's an interesting... I mean, I feel like... MVP is the discussion. Well, MVP and coach of the year are the two discussions that are really interesting to me of where they go and not necessarily that Blake deserves the MVP or should be the MVP. I mean, I think if you're actually awarding a most valuable player that the team does not perform as well, when that player is not in the lineup, like Blake has to be in that discussion. Um, but I, I, mean, I think MVP is an interesting discussion, and then I think we've had a lot of chat in our
2: in our Twitter <laughs> our Twitter DM about Coach of the Year. Yeah, it's funny because we normally try to avoid having as many of these chats in our Twitter DMs so they're fresh when they come to uh, the podcast. But we couldn't avoid the Coach of the Year one, um, so I guess we should probably start with MVP. Yes. Um, I, I want, I want to make a case for Daniel Gazdag. I do, but I just can't when Hani Mukhtar exists. Like yeah. he means so much more to Nashville and had similar stats and had one more goal um, than Gazdag. But just like when he's not on the field for Nashville, they're not a team. Um, when, while we haven't seen much of Paxson Aronson slotting in for Gazdag, there's still enough players on this team that the union can win games without Gazdag. And they have won games where Gazdag doesn't perform, whereas Nashville doesn't win games if Mokhtar doesn't show up.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I guess that is truly what defines MVP. I I mean, that's
0: where I am with Blake, though, is I think the union are in a similar scenario. And luckily, we haven't gotten to... We haven't seen a ton of the union without Blake this year. Um, But I think it's a challenge to think that the union would have had as much success this
2: season without Blake. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, and, and I mean, and I think that realistically Blake probably does deserve to finish number two in the rankings. If he wasn't a goalkeeper, um, We just know that goalkeepers just aren't rated properly around the league because they treat goalkeeper of the year as that MVP award. So like, there's just no way that he's going to win both because people are going to fill out their ballot be like, Blake for goalkeeper of the year, insert attacker here for MVP. When it is true that Andre Blake is the union MVP. I don't think that you're going to find any Union fans that will truly dispute that. And, like, if you just search Saves by Dre on the Union Twitter account and how many times he has bailed out this team this year, it's more than any other player.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's like vital that's it's irrefutable proof of what his value is to this club even with you know so many guys on this roster that you absolutely feel confident in and feel like you can't really like upgrade too much at that position or like recreate that chemistry with anyone else um, this team really does feel that special but it does all end with Andre, and it's it, it's it's asinine to think that his involvement isn't at least worthy of consideration. But they're gonna give it to Honey. Uh, Honey's amazing. So is Daniel. Hopefully, he'll get a better playoff run. Uh, I'm certain. Team should certainly be equally afraid of both because Daniel is going to run at you. He's going to beat you anyway. He knows how, and he doesn't really miss that much. Um, yeah, that MVP, those going to be honey.
0: Um, it's interesting. I just looked cause I was interested. You said like, Oh, uh, we finished, you know, guys, like finished with one less goal. He also finished with one less assist oh uh, no. it was literally 20 23 and 11 for mukhtar and 22 and 10 for Gosak what I'm looking up right now it is interesting what is maybe and this kind of it might speak to your uh it might speak to your uh Nashville is nothing without mukhtar but Hani has 23 goals on a 126 <laughs> shots. Gazdag has 22 goals on 61 shots.
2: I mean, so, um, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't have the stats to back this, but um I'm pretty sure that Daniel Gazdag is the most efficient scorer in all of MLS and that is also just due to the fact that the Union forwards create so much space that he could run into that literally like he makes all of his goals look like tap-ins. Well, and if the stats actually back that
0: piece of information up because all 22 of his 22 goals were inside the box. So he <laughs> they were they were mostly tap-ins if it <laughs> if it makes
2: sense. So <laughs> I mean, I don't think the like the Union maybe scored what two goals from outside the box this year it's not many two i'm not surprised by that at mm. all if that's the case i'm i'm I, i'm not looking at anything i'm i'm just i'm guessing but i don't i like i don't think that they've scored many from outside the box cuz just the attack right now is Get everything into the box, crash it, and um, profit.
0: Well, uh, so um, they scored sixty-five goals inside the eighteen and seven outside the eighteen.
1: Really, that yeah, many? Yeah, I mean, you got to also take into account. You said two, and I was like, "Doesn't Gleznis have one goal this season?" And then inside the box. That's okay. Um, and then you also have McGlynn's free kick, at least.
2: Yeah, I was counting McGlynn's that's free four. kick.
1: Yeah, uh, and that, you're right. I am having trouble with the rest. Yeah, uh, Burke uh, had, had one. How did they...
0: Burke had one and maybe two, actually. I'm
2: trying to think. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty surprised by that seven number. <laughs> 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 well, there you go.
0: Surprising numbers for the Philadelphia <laughs> Union. Uh, the they have had seven goals outside the box. And this season, although sixty five of the seventy two came, <laughs> came inside the box. So yeah, you know it's a lot. They do get so, they do get their goals by getting close up and then tapping it in and scrambling. I mean those so,
1: assist zones, baby. Not just blindly crossing the ball from the wing.
0: Yeah, I mean, so many of their goals come from, you know, a cross in from Uh, Fogner.
2: Pax has one. Yep. Yeah, now I'm just, like, literally scrolling. So Pax has one, Burke has one. And then at this point, I'm literally scrolling through MLS stats because, like... All seven were scored by different people.
1: That's not bodes well. It shows that you can get that, you know, that moment at any point in the game.
2: Oh, I mean, I um, yeah, McGlenn's free kick. Um, I mean, I want packs to come off, come on during the playoffs, and then score a goal from outside the box, essentially, like um. McGlenn's penalty kick, um, to propel him to where McGlynn is right now. Matt Riel also has, uh, an outside the box goal. Yeah. Matt's Matt's
0: came Matt's against Colorado came from outside the box. Um, Badoya has one. Burke has one. Carranza has two
2: and McGlynn mm. has one and
0: Matt Real has uh, one.
2: Yeah. I missed the Carranza too. Somehow. Yeah.
0: So there you go. There's your surprising stat of the day. Um. So, does Curtin win Coach of the Year? Nope.
2: Maybe, is, but he shouldn't. Yeah, this is
1: this is kind of just standard now for him.
2: And it's yeah, it's weird, like arguing against him for Coach of the Year, but it's just like, um, Wilfred Nancy did. Almost as much with so much less that I just think that he should be coach of the year and also as much as I hate it, like the run that Inter Miami went on should get Gary Neville some praise.
0: Yeah, I think I think the challenge for Curtain to is like the Union didn't have that much to overcome this year. You know, like Carranza, you know, Ure wasn't healthy at the beginning of the season, but he wasn't doing much at the beginning of the season either. You know, Carranza, and and at that point, you still had Sergio Santos who was contributing. So I think like you, you know, he just didn't have, you know, I mean, basically started the same midfield for the entire season, basically started... The entire, you know, back five, uh, other than switching Harriel and Abazo every couple of games. But, like, other than that, he basically started the back five for the whole season, too. So, I mean, I guess Elliott missed a couple games, and that's where Finley played. But, like, he didn't really have that much to overcome as a coach. He basically put almost the same starting 11 out almost every game. And they were good. So
1: it's hard to poke holes in this team right now. Like it really, really is. You're seeing that the creativity is coming from everywhere. You see that like a chance can, can spur from pretty much any player on this field. Um, I mean, I'm even going to give Leon the benefit of the doubt. He has become not just a lateral passer anymore. You know, he's, he's getting more versatile as he goes forward and it's nice to see, but,
2: yeah, He wants that move to Europe.
1: Yeah, I get it. That's <laughs> it's fine. But, I mean, this is going to be pretty exciting. I, I think the bar is seemingly and reasonably pretty high.
2: Yeah. Also, just with um, the expectations for the Union coming into the season – to be their first or second team in the Eastern Conference, and they finish as the first team in the Eastern Conference but didn't win supporter shield, that also just hurts Jim Carton's case, because it's like, yay, you did what you were supposed to. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So Philly. So Philly, philly it hurts. It's weird having expectations now. It is... It is.
0: Yes, it is weird. I, I agree. It's weird. You know, like, I think for so long, it was like, can the union sneak into the last place in the playoffs? And for so long, I mean, what, nine years, you know, but it like now it's like, well, the union need to win supporter shield. Where they should win Supporter Shield.
1: They should. They should. They're the more dominant team. Everyone was not looking forward to meeting them. And I think that speaks more to how they felt about going up against LA. But that's not a metric of measurement for Supporter Shield rankings, apparently. It's not. Oh, well... Oh well, we'll have to. We're not going to be eating off a plate this year; we'll be sipping from a cup instead. That's fine.
0: So, I mean, sixty-seven points, though, over the course of the season, is number is the seventh most points in a season ever.
2: And it's also just, it's still funny that um, LAFC because they were on track to break the points record (laughs) after throwing everything at doing that, it's still funny that they didn't.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, they didn't.
1: And It's going to be funny to see how they hold up in the adversity of MLS playoffs. Because they have to do it there. God, they don't make finals. (sighs) Wow,
2: I mean, I'm, I wanted to make the finals just because the union match up well with them. Um, I'm I'm not saying I don't want them there, not yeah. at all. Yeah, I uh, you gotta, they need they need to be there though. They do need to be there. No, that's that's definitely fair. Like yeah. they, the like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they somehow like. If they found a way to miss MLS Cup bad enough, if Tarantula was fired.
1: Maybe they bring in uh, Tommy Tuchel. Really get this thing moving.
2: I mean, you can't put anyone out of the realm of possibility for them.
0: It's true. It's true. They'll figure out a way to have an 8th DP slot and do it legally. It's, it's all good. Oh, yeah. Surely all good. Uh, so the union, like I said, the union's first playoff game, probably eight days away or ish, uh, depending on when you listen to this, uh, we get the winner of, I don't know, the fourth and fifth place teams in the, in the conference, which would be the New York team that actually has a soccer field. However, it's in New Jersey and, uh, Philadelphia Union-Midwest.
1: <laughs> yeah. What a matchup. Um, if... It actually should be a lot of fun. Uh, New York is the home team, correct?
0: Yes, I believe so. Yeah, they,
1: that's they are. that's going to be a fun matchup because I think if that game's in Cincinnati, then it's uh, a clear winner. Um, but... It does give Red Bull a chance to really throw what they've got at Cincinnati to prepare themselves for something similar, but much more skillful in the Philadelphia Union. Um, unfortunately, Cincinnati probably going to win that game, but I would much prefer to face the Red Bulls at home from a competition perspective and from atmosphere.
2: Um, I don't have... This again, where it would be great to, like, you know, look up stats before. Because I don't have how many times the Union have played the Red Bulls at home in the first round of the playoffs. But it just feels like it's been a lot. Especially since, like, that last game in the uh, the 3-2 Union win um, was just absolutely insane. Even though the entire thing was in, like, Essentially, close to freezing rain. Um, I, I from from an actual gameplay perspective, and it being like a good game to watch, I'd prefer playing Cincinnati. From being able to win the game, <laughs> I would prefer playing Red Bulls. Um, just because Cincinnati, not only just due to having Pat Noonan and and former Union players, but they play the worst style for the Union to come up against. Because, like, it seems like there's this giant thing going on around media that the Union can't break down a low block, but the, the issue isn't really the Union breaking down a low block, because there's enough offensive pieces on this team that will wear down most teams. Mm. And literally, Daniel Gosdaw's job is breaking down a low block. It's just not the way that your average 10 does it because he's not passing to a forward to do it. The forwards are just making him space to score a goal or drawing him a penalty. Um, but with having two excellent forwards and lucho acosta cincinnati is a team that's just not afraid to go at anyone and they can spread you wide they can attack you down the middle like it doesn't matter and so just with how with how the union's set up in a narrow diamond Cincinnati's always going to have space to pick an attack if they choose the right decisions their defense isn't very good, which is where you want to beat them, but it's like they're going to have their chances in attack, and you just hope they don't go in.
1: That's what makes Blake so imperative too. Like if they're going to get five chances in that game, I mean, I get the – Union are probably going to get their five chances too, but God, you better hope that Blake is reading well. I mean – it's it's gonna it's gonna weigh a lot on him if since he's gonna play their style of game, uh, and that's just a matter of un- the unfortunate circumstance of them lining up the way they do, like Chuck said. So, I mean, from a from a skill pr- and talent perspective, I think the Union will have their number, and that offense can definitely wear them down, but it's a lot closer than what you're going to expect from Red Bull have to coming into your, come into your house. Yeah. I think, I mean,
0: for me, like, I don't really care which team we play. I, 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 we had this discussion on the pod several weeks ago, but I think there's not a team in the league right now that scares me in, Hey, they're better than us. So they, they, will beat us. You know, and I think for a long time in the union history, it was like, Oh, we got to play Columbus and they're just better than us. And they're going to beat us. Um, but I think there's, there's not a team in the league right now that I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're so much better than us. And they're just going to beat us. And it's not going to be fun You know What, what it is for me is like, there are teams that I'm like, oh, we have to play them again. <laughs> like, I don't want to play them again. Unfortunately, Cincinnati and Red Bull aren't one of them. So I think for me, I I look at the union obviously can't get caught in a trap game and and think uh, we'll get past this round and we'll move on to the next one. I think the union have to take each and every game seriously um, because you got to win, what, three of them to to win MLS Cup at this point. So I think you've got to figure out how to win one game at a time to get those three in a row. But I think... It's a matter of, yeah, can you put your best lineup out on the field? Like Chuck said earlier, it's not about multiple runs. It's not about trying to rest your team. Can you put your best lineup out on the field, and then can they execute? And I think if that happens, it doesn't matter what the other team – it doesn't matter what other team is on the other side of the field. Um,
1: So so you're um, saying cup? Cup for the boys? I mean aren't we all? Yeah. I think I, I think if there was ever a year for it to happen, like this is clearly their best chance. And if, I, I will make sure to note that I'm saying that this year when next year happens and like we will yeah, objectively measure like, those I'm metrics. Sure,
2: yeah, I'm pretty sure if we roll back the tape to last year that we probably said something similar and then everyone got covid and I still believe that if everyone didn't get covid that this team beats portland but yeah too far away from that at this point um it's just like but this season has just been <laughs> unreal and like anything that I've ever seen in union history with like actually having a consistent attack Because we've known that this team could defend for years now. Um, But it was just like, defend, defend, defend. Um, Hope that someone does something brilliant to set up a goal. And then now it's, uh, I mean, you defend some, but your best defense is actually possessing the ball like a good team should be. Yeah.
0: And I think you have forwards and a number 10 who are willing to run and get the ball back and defend from the front versus some other teams where you have a good forward, who isn't going to defend from the front whatsoever. So uh, I think that makes this team hard to like, like I said, I mean, this, the union are hard to beat. They've only, they only got beat five team five times all year. They're a hard team to beat. So that's what, makes it easy to go into the playoffs and think like, well, we can make a run because we're hard to beat. And so even if you do, you know, PKs are PKs and you get in a situation where PKs are PKs, but you you have to think at almost any juncture of the playoffs, any team we face in PKs, you have to think we have a slight advantage with how good the keeper that is Defending our goal is, you know.
2: Yeah. So um, you you you're saying PKs like that many times in a sentence just makes me think of Ness. Yes.
0: You're right. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Anyway. Oh no! I mean, smash. I'm
1: not. I'm, uh. That's
2: not that's not not a bad thing at all. Dude. Just I just had to uh, get that on our official recording
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well we'll see what happens uh in about (laughs) eight days from now i'm sure we'll talk to you after that game before before the next the next one after that one but um it is it is good though if we if the union win that game that they will have uh they already have a of a week of rest, or, or you know, an extra week of rest. But even after that game, they'll have an extra two or three days of rest uh, going into playing the team that they would play uh, if you win that game. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll see you on the flip side of that game, probably. Uh, anything else, boys?
1: Check uh, we'll it. Just... Check in on your people. Make sure they're all good yeah do that crazy world we're living in for sure. for sure all
0: right well uh we'll see you on the flip side of uh hopefully a easy win against internet you have just listened to an episode of season four of using the bridge you can find us all over the internet facebook instagram and twitter at vftb pod thanks to our sponsors roughneck scarves official scarf supplier of mls usl and US Soccer. Get custom scars for your grouper team at roughknightscarves.com. We're also sponsored by Robbie over at Icarus FC. Icarus will make the custom kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Get started at icarusfc.com. Do you enjoy the show and want to support us? There are two ways. You can head to Design Tree at dsgntree.com slash vftb for all of our latest merch. Or you could just buy us a coffee or beer at ko-fi kofi.com slash pod. Thanks for listening and your support. Views from the Bridge is also a podcast of the Beautiful Game Network at BGN.FM. Head over there to find all kinds of soccer writing, content, and other podcasts. For Evan Villela, Chuck Booth, and Paul Catrino, I'm Justin Ashcraft, signing
1: off.